السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So uh, inshallah we're continuing with the tafsir of Surah Al-Takathur and last week we I think we only covered like two verses right three and four mainly so Allah Azza wa Jal in, in where we were last week's uh, class we had the verses kalla sawfa ta'lamun thumma kalla sawfa ta'lamun nay you will come to know then nay you will come to know right and we mentioned how um, the scholars of tafsir have three or four different opinions, four different opinions concerning the repetition of that verse. How Allah Azza wa repeats the issue of knowing, that you will come to know. So we mentioned that there were four different opinions. Can anyone remind me what they were? The first one, ways. Uh, well, I don't know the order. I think one was said in, uh, in the So grave. the first one, before you go oh, into the... That, that is just repetition, right? That is just done for the sake of emphasis. It is repetition to reaffirm the point, right? And that's the opinion of a number of scholars of tafsir. Uh, I think Shaykh Nathaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala, for example, mentions that in his tafsir and others, that it's just done for the sake of emphasis. Repetition is there to uh, affirm the point that those people will surely come to know the reality of the situation. So that's one opinion. The second body of opinions, which then is divided into three, is that the repetition is there for a further point, right? That it's to bring a new meaning into the, the verse. And that is, the first is... The grave and then the akhirah. So one is... One is... No. Was it the grave and the akhirah? The grave and the The... Yeah, so the grave and the akhirah. That's the first one. Second one. So death and then the grave, yeah. right? So death and the grave. And the third one was? Nothing to do with the grave or yeah, death. The, the death and, um, no, no, nothing to do with death or anything. The third one was that the first is speaking to the disbelievers and the second is speaking to the believers, right? So it's as if Allah is speaking to two groups of people. You will come to know meaning the disbelievers, the reality of your situation. And you, O believers, will come to know the reality of your situation. Because the true realities will be different, therefore Allah Azza wa repeats the verses. Right? And we said that the strongest out of those three is the one that Imam Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, chooses. Right? It was the third one that I mentioned, but you messed up the order. So, so he said that basically it's the first, Kalla Sufa Ta'alamun refers to death and the second one refers to the grave and why did he say that why did he dismiss or, or yeah he didn't mention the akhirah because he says that later on in the surah Allah Azza wa will speak about it when he says for example in the following verse Kalla right? Allah Azza wa goes on to speak about the reality of the hellfire and so therefore he says that that's something which uh, which is mentioned later on in the surah itself so therefore, in these two verses, three and four, Allah Azza wa is referring to the knowledge, the certainty that will come at the time of death, and the certain knowledge that will come at the time of being questioned in the grave. And we mentioned a number of those narrations last week concerning the 
the questioning of the grave and, and that kind of portion regarding this surah. So verse number five, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues and he says, and I think this is where we ended last week, he said, he says, Kalla law ta'lamuna ilm al-yaqeen. Kalla law ta'lamuna ilm al-yaqeen. Al-Imam al-Razi in his tafsir uh, on the linguistic point of the repetition of kalla. So we have repetition of a number of things, right? Going on in these three verses. Number one is the word kalla. And number two is the aspect of knowledge. You will come to know. Then again, you will come to know. Nay, if you were to know with a certain knowledge, right? If you were to only know for certainty. So Imam al-Razi in his tafsir, he says concerning the repetition of the word kalla, he says that it's done over and over again because each time Allah is emphasizing how misguided those people are who are distracted by the amassing of the dunya, by the dormants of this world, that Allah repeats it over and over again. No, you are in, you know, misguided in terms of your thinking in, at the time of death. And no, again, you are misguided in terms of your thinking at or in your grave. And no, again, you are misguided in terms of your thinking on the day of judgment. So the repetition of kalla is there because each one of those kallas, each one of those verses is referring to three distinct different places, right? So it's as if, for example, a person says, look, don't, I don't know, don't go and speed, but at the same time, don't, not wear your seatbelt and don't. And so you're repeating it because even though it's the same thing of driving, you're repeating it because it is three distinct components within that that you're emphasizing. So he says, this is what Allah Azza wa is doing as well. He is emphasizing this as a point of repetition. So Allah Azza wa says, no, you will come to know for certainty. What is the certainty that Allah Azza wa is referring to here? Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said, it is the certainty that the people will have on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when each person will see their scroll of deeds their record of deeds will be presented to them. And so there will be those amongst them who are happy and those amongst them who are wretched. Right? So he says that this is the certainty that they will have on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Right? And again, I think we mentioned this last week, but it shows to you the understanding of scholars like Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim in his tafsir, because he's looking at the statements of the scholars and the statements of the companions and how they gave their tafsir, their commentary, their interpretation of these three distinct verses, verse verses three, four, and five. And so he came to that conclusion that each one is referring to a slightly different stage of knowing. And no doubt, all of this is certain knowledge, right? All of it is certainty that those people will have. It is just something which is repeated at a number of stages. Imam al-Tabari, ta'ala, in his tafsir of this verse, he only mentions the opinion of Qatada. So when he's giving the tafsir of this verse, as he's mentioning narrations, he mentions the narration of Qatada. And the narration of Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, is that it's referring to death, right? That it's referring to death. And he says, in another narration of his Qatada, rahimahullah says, we used to say that the certain knowledge is the knowledge that a person will have after Allah gives them, resurrects them from death, after Allah brings them back to life after death. Which shows you that amongst the scholars of tafsir, these three verses were very similar, right, in terms of meaning. So sometimes they're speaking about it in terms of death, sometimes what is going to come after death, and no doubt those three stages of death, the life of the grave, which is called the barzakh, and the resurrection are interlinked, right? They are kind of like a single stage of the hereafter. 
Right? So once a person dies, they go on to that stage of the hereafter. And so Imam al-Tabi rahimahullah ta'ala says, after mentioning or before mentioning the statement of Qatada rahimahullah, he says, Allah Azza wa says, no, you will come to know for certain, meaning that Allah Azza wa is saying that it's not befitting for people that they should be distracted by this type of amassing of the dunya. And if only to, you were to have the certain knowledge that Allah will bring you back to life on the day of judgment after death, and he will raise you from your graves, you wouldn't have allowed yourselves to become distracted from the worship of Allah Azza wa and his obedience. But rather instead you would have rushed and hurried to worship Allah and you would have fulfilled his obligations and refrained from his prohibitions and you would have stayed away from becoming too attached to the dunya. And he says, and this is the tafsir of the scholars before him. Right? And so basically he's saying that if Allah Azza wa is saying that you, if you had that certain knowledge that this is what's going to happen at the time of death, after death, you wouldn't allow yourself to become so distracted and so heedless of Allah Azza wa remembrance and his worship. So then the amazing thing in this statement of Imam al-Tabri rahimahullah ta'ala that I find is how when a lot of us know, and many of us know as Muslims that that is the reality, right? that is the ending, that is what's going to happen at the time of death and after death in the grave and on Yawm al-Qiyamah, on the day of resurrection when Allah brings us all back to life, how still for many Muslims it is something which isn't enough that knowledge that a person be uh, you know, taken away from uh, or, or be removed from that type of heedlessness right? and neglect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? which is a sign of weak iman, it's a sign of being distanced from Allah azza wa jal. And you know, more or less every Muslim you go to, do you believe in, in, in you know, the punishment of the grave or life in the grave? Yes. Do you believe in resurrection? Yes. Do you believe in accounting? Yes. Do you believe in hellfire and paradise? Yes. But that knowledge, just having that type of knowledge isn't sufficient, right? When Allah Azza wa is saying that that knowledge, as Imam Al-Tabari is saying, Rahimahullah, that knowledge should be enough for a person to understand their reality and where it is that they're going and to have that fear. But that is the grip of the dunya, right? And that is the temptation of shaitan that he can come and he can make us so neglectful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though you see people around you are healthy and young and in the prime of their life and they pass away unexpectedly or they die in some kind of sudden you know, incident or because of some disease that's debilitating. People all around us that die at very young ages and full of life, no problems, no health issues, and let alone those people who do have health issues and old age and are infirm and they pass away as well. But how many people stop and think about that and think and reflect enough that it changes the course of their life, right? And it makes them stop and think. And it does happen because alhamdulillah you have people that do stop and do think and do assess their lives. But how many people who just pass by those signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And Allah Azza wa mentions in the Quran, in a number of verses, that even if some people were to have every sign, it wouldn't benefit them, right? You have, like for example, the people of Pharaoh, Right, that were given sign upon sign upon sign. So when a heart becomes so hardened and becomes so uh, unable to accept the admonition of Allah Azza wa Jalla in the verses of the Quran, it becomes so hard and so difficult and so, uh, so detached from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that no matter what sign comes to it, it's very difficult for it to take in right? and very difficult for it to take heed and to take benefit from it. Muqatil rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, that Allah Azza wa is saying that you will have certain knowledge, meaning that you will have at a time a knowledge in which there is no doubt. Right? In which there is no doubt, but it will be a knowledge in which there is only certainty. Yeah. This, this 
Yeah, we're going to come on to that. Right. So we will come on to that, but not on this verse. In a, in a actual, it is on this verse. Yeah, towards the end. So Ibn al-Qayyim, the, the question the brother had was, uh, was um, do the categorize, do the scholars categorize the different levels of certainty and knowledge that when speaking in the tafsir and commentating on this verse? Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, does. So in his tafsir of this verse, he categorizes them into three based on what is, what is mentioned in this surah. Right? And, and we'll come on to that as well. So um, that's the statement of Muqatil rahimahullah ta'ala that you will have a knowledge in which there is no doubt. Right? A knowledge that there is only certainty within. Al-Imam Murazi in his tafsir, he has um, an interesting point, a linguistic point again. And that is that when Allah Azza wa Jal says, لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينَ Can we pull up the, the translation please? So, if only you knew for certain, right? The low here, if only you knew for certain. He says that Allah Azza wa doesn't mention what it is that you know for certain. Doesn't tell you what knowledge he's referring to. But Allah Azza wa leaves it general, right? Without specifying. So Allah Azza wa is saying, you know, it's like, for example, one of us saying, if you do such and such, and then you leave it, right? What is such and such, right? What is, and what do you get as a result of it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't go into that detail. He leaves it very general. If you were to have knowledge, then what? Right? What is that knowledge? What is the knowledge and what is the result as a, as a, as a consequence of attaining and having that knowledge? He says that the, in the Arabic language, he says that here in, 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 in the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention it. Right? doesn't mention what it is that's being referred to type of knowledge and the result of that knowledge. But he says that the scholars of Arabic language have given three opinions as to what is missing here, right? If you were to fill in that blank. What is it that Allah Azza wa is referring to? Al-Akhfash was one of the uh, scholars of, of Arabic language. He said that if you were to have certain knowledge, then the dunya would not have distracted you, right? That is the jawab of law. That is the answer to the law. If you were to have, then what? The what here is that if you were to have that certain knowledge, then you wouldn't have allowed the dunya to distract you. Right? That's similar to the statement of Imam al-Tabri rahimahullah ta'ala. Right? And again, it's amazing how Allah Azza wa is seeing this, that it shouldn't, that knowledge shouldn't allow you to become distracted by how often people, even with that type of knowledge, allow themselves to become or do become distracted. Uh, the second opinion, Abu Muslim, who's another scholar of, of Arabic language, he said that if you had certain knowledge, then you would hold on to what Allah commanded you to do and you would stay away from that which doesn't benefit you. Right? If you had certain knowledge, what should that propel you to do? What should that motivate you to do? It should motivate you to obey Allah, to stay away from his prohibitions and that you should not busy yourself except with that which is beneficial to you, right? except with that which draws you and brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third opinion he says, and this is, he doesn't attribute this to anyone, so perhaps it's the opinion of an Imam al-Razi himself. He says that Allah azza wa doesn't mention this. He doesn't mention the answer to the law. Right? If you were to know, then what? He doesn't give you an answer and he leaves it general on purpose so that each person can imagine what is most appropriate for them. For every person to imagine what is most befitting for them. Right? And your imagination then runs wild, basically. Right? Because when Allah Azza wa Jalla, if the verse is restricted 
you only think about that restriction, right? You only think about what is specified. So if Allah was to say, you know, then you would know the reality of death, or you would know the punishment of the grave, or you would know X, Y, or Z, then that's what you confine your thinking to. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves it general, doesn't specify, then your mind or you're able to think that it encompasses everything, right? It's general, so it encompasses the harsh stock reality of death and the pangs of death, the punishment of the grave, the punishment of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the different punishments of the hellfire itself that Allah Azza wa Jal and the Prophet Sallallahu have detailed from the food of Jahannam, from the drink of Jahannam, from the clothing of Jahannam, from the surrounding of the fire, from the longevity of life and all of that stuff that Allah has mentioned. May Allah Azza wa save us all from that. So he mentioned these three opinions and uh, you know, each one of them, you know, is possible. But the third opinion is one that seems like in terms of, you know, the, the verse and its context and generally the ruling of leaving something general in the Quran is so that it becomes comprehensive, right? And includes everything. So rather than specifying it, it includes what Akhfash said, it includes what Abu Muslim said in their two interpretations, but it's much wider than that as well. It's not just only if you were to know, then you wouldn't allow yourself to become destructive. No, it's if you were to know, you wouldn't become destructive and you would obey Allah and you would worship Allah and you would remember death and you would remember resurrection and you would remember your standing before Allah and your accounting and you would remember the punishment of the fire and so on and so forth, right? So he leaves it open so that you can include all of those different possibilities within that verse. You mean, does it refer to the same thing? No. Right, so now but it, the ta'lamun here, the knowledge here, is referring to another one, according to Ibn Qayyim, right? But obviously the three of them are linked. So it's referring to all of them, right? The three linked, but because of the repetition, you're kind of like separating them out. Right? But obviously it's inclusive. It includes death, it includes the grave, it includes Yom Al-Qiyamah. What's that, sorry? To leave something gen general? Is it more eloquent? It is more eloquent in this type of context, yes. So the general ruling in the Arabic language or in the Quran anyways, and when Allah Azza wa leaves something as a general term, it is so that it makes it comprehensive, right? And we've done this a number of times in different verses of tafsir, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the general noun sometimes. So it's not even leaving it vague, but it specifies the noun, but it just makes it a general noun, right? And that general noun means that it encompasses everything within that framework, because when you specify it, you're referring to a certain individual, a certain person, a certain, you know, wherever you're specifying it. So when you leave it general, it, it holds within it a level of comprehensiveness. Do you have any questions online? Okay. What's this? Okay. Uh, please announce there is now a form on the notice board where people can submit any errors they spot on the transcribed notes. Right, that's a very uh, important uh, point, actually, because um, we've started doing transcribed notes. Are they up? Yeah, yeah so, uh, <laughs> ish. So, um, we have like some uh, amazing group of people, some, uh, especially some, um, some sisters who are working extremely hard in terms of, in terms of like doing these transcribed notes, which I can, even has a time counter on it. You guys probably never go on the on the portal because you're all sitting here, but it is an amazing resource. Um, and it is something which I assume takes them a very long time to do in terms of, and not only that, mashallah, it's very nicely laid out as well. Very colorful. Um, may Allah Azza reward them and, and, and keep them going.
Um, so that's something which is available. So if you go on the notes, they've actually transcribed this whole thing, right? So literally, like word for word, it's there. It's something which they've reviewed. They've put in um, footnotes and references, even the ones that I don't mention in my class. They've done the hard work and researched that and, and looked at that. And then it's something which um, they put up. So if there is, there is a form on the notice board that if you, as you're reading through that and you're coming through that, especially for you guys online, you know, that are always looking at this kind of stuff, inshallah, if you come across something, a typo, an error, a mistake, then please, inshallah, get in touch with them so that they can make that correction, bithnillahi ta'ala. Okay, so uh, Allah Azza wa says certain knowledge. One of the other points that Imam Marazi mentions concerning this verse is he says that the certain knowledge that Allah is referring to is death and what comes after it. Death and what comes after it. So the certain knowledge that Allah is referring to is the knowledge that the person will have at the time of death. And he says that's because Allah Azza wa in the Quran refers to death as certainty. So certainty or death, one of the names that it's given in the Qur'an or one of the ways that it's referred to in the Qur'an is certainty. For example, when Allah says in the Qur'an, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ And worship your Lord until certainty comes to you, meaning until death comes to you. Right? And that's what it's referring to. Al-Imam ibn al-Qayyim, going on to the question that Uwais asked earlier concerning the different levels of certainty right, and knowledge that you can acquire, he divides them into three. Ibn al-Qayyim says that they are three. He says the first is knowledge of certainty. No, he's talking about certainty now. So he's not talking about doubt or shak or ghalabat al or you know, the likely scenario. No, he's saying certainty itself has three levels. right? Because Allah in this surah is referring to certainty. He's not referring to doubt. So he says certainty itself is of three levels. He says knowledge of certainty eye of certainty or seeing of certainty and haqqul yaqeen which is yeah certain reality or a set or the certainty of truth right yani in a very loose <laughs> uh, translation right the first one he says is ilmul yaqeen he says ilmul yaqeen the knowledge of certainty can take place by simply hearing it from someone trustworthy or hearing it from enough sufficiently trustworthy people you have knowledge of certainty Right? For example, your parents say to you, you know, you were born at home. I don't know. Right? You were born at home instead of a hospital. Right? There are people that were there. You trust them. They were there at the time. They understood what took place. The fact that you said to you, okay, you weren't born in a hospital. You were born. That gives you certain knowledge. Right? Were you there? Did you see it? I mean, you did, but you don't remember. And you know, you don't. So you don't have that eye of certainty. You don't. You don't remember seeing it yourself. But it's something which, because you've taken it from someone trustworthy, and maybe it's not just your parents, but your older siblings, uncles, aunts, grandparents. They all have the same story. So now you have a level of yaqeen, right? Someone, uh, you know, says, for example, who's playing today? There's a lot of traffic outside. Aston Villa playing Watford. Yeah, I wouldn't know, but uh, yeah, he knows, man. He knows. It's all right, man. It's all right. You don't, you don't need to make excuses. Uh, but it, yeah, but if like 10 people, the point being is if 10 people were to come in and say Aston Villa won 3-0, right? Gives you a certain level of knowledge, right? Gives you a certain level of certainty. They have no reason to lie. There's no reason why they would make that up. There's no reason why, you know, they would be mistaken in that. And so it gives you, from having that trustworthy knowledge, it is sufficient, right? And he gives the example of this as the knowledge of hellfire and paradise, we have certain knowledge 
that Allah has created the fire, that Allah has created paradise, that they both exist, that Allah has prepared one for the believers and Allah has prepared the other for the disbelievers. Why do we have certain knowledge? Where do we get that certain knowledge from? Because Allah mentions it in the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ mentioned it. Right? He calls that ilmul yaqeen. Do we have doubt as Muslims that they don't exist? That it's something which is not going to happen, that there's no such thing? No, because it comes from something that is trustworthy. Yeah, it is. I mean, By definition, yeah. something which is mutawatir is qat'i. Yeah. And, and, even and the verse of the Quran. We have certainty of it because of the, the hadith that is ahad is one in the sense that it's only one or two people that have narrated to it, but we accept it as religion and legislation and we act upon it, right? Because for all intents and purposes, it gives us that certainty of knowledge because again, it's narrated by people who are trustworthy from a trustworthy source, which is the Prophet And then the whole thing where Yeah, but that's like a slightly technical thing. But for all intents and purposes, it takes you back to the same result, right? You're still going to accept them. You're going to act upon them. You're going to use them in issues of legislation and so on. So he says, that's the first one, ilmul yaqeen. He says, then when you see that yourself, right, when you see it with the naked eye in front of you, that now becomes aynul yaqeen, right, which is what Allah mentions, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينَ لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ Right, he says, aynul yaqeen is what? Is when you see it with the certainty of the eye, right, the eye of certainty. So now you have that knowledge and you know that it's true, but now you're actually going to see it. And the example that he gives then, you know, continuing on from his example of paradise and hellfire, he says, so on the day of judgment, when the people will see at a distance, hellfire and paradise, right? Allah says concerning the hellfire, they will see it from a great distance and they will hear its sounds, right? The torment of the fire, raging fire, they will hear its sounds. That sight, even though it's from a distance, is sufficient for them to have Aynul Yaqeen. That's what Aynul Yaqeen is, right? You know, you, um, I don't know. So again, going back to my pretty lame example of, you know, someone being born at home, there's a photograph, right? Or there's video evidence or whatever, right? You, now you see something, right? Which is weird. But anyway, you see something now with your own eye, right? And so now it takes it a level up. So you have Ilmul Yaqeen and then you have Aynul Yaqeen. Yeah, yaqeen is yaqeen. Then there is no doubt that is yaqeen. So it's not about having it extra. So the, the levels of certainty is not that you increase in certainty. It's not that you're, it's, it's to, we emphasize the reality of the issue. So someone who, for example, sees something from a distance. So let me finish this and then, and then I'll come back. Right. Let me just finish this point. So. The first one is ilmul yaqeen, the knowledge of certainty. The second is ilmul yaqeen, which is the eye of certainty. The third one, he says, is the actual reality itself. How is that reality explained? When you yourself enter it. So for example, for Jannah and Hawfire, he gives the example of when the people enter into that. That is now haqqul yaqeen, meaning it's now a certain reality, right? That it's not just something that they saw at a distance, but it's something that they enter, they see, they feel, they experience firsthand. And so now it becomes 
haqqul yaqeen, right? The point of this isn't that uh, the first one, ilmul yaqeen, isn't certainty, right? Or ainul yaqeen isn't certainty. It is just within certainty, there are higher levels of certainty, right? So even... Yeah, so, okay, so that's a good example. So Musa alayhi salam, knowing that Allah Azzawajal exists, he says, let me, yeah, let me see you, O Allah, right? Arini, anzur ilayk. Allow me to see you so that I can see you, right? Or when Ibrahim alayhi salam says, O oh Allah, how do you give life? To the dead, right? It's not that they don't have, you know, yaqeen. Allah asks him, yeah, and, Allah, and he says, no, but I want to increase in knowledge, right? And so it's that... No, because all of uh, yaqeen, right? it's all yaqeen, it's all certainty. So once you reach the basic level of certainty, you've passed the th- threshold of certainty. Okay. There is no doubt left, right? Certainty means what? The removal of, of doubt, right? So once you've reached even the minimum level, you have removed that, 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 that doubt, right? Now it's just like wanting to know more, having you know, more knowledge or whatever. So for example, you know, like, I don't know, someone says to you, I don't know, Brazil's a nice country, right? But going to Brazil and being in Brazil is completely different to someone just telling you, right? And so, you know, a hundred people can tell you and you have certain knowledge and you believe them and you think, yeah, it's an amazing country. But that will never equate to you actually going and experiencing, right? So it's not like that you don't know, but there is still within certainty a higher level of certainty, right? Clearly, you know, uh, the companions have a greater status because they saw the Prophet and they lived with him and they met with him and they saw his miracles firsthand and they saw the revelation of the Quran and so them having a higher level of Iman and a higher status therefore in this religion is something therefore that comes about right as, as a result of that right? and that's always going to be the case right you hear about you know the stories of a scholar like Shaykh Baz one of the great scholars of recent history hearing their stories amazes you but if you were to actually have been there seen them met them lived with them traveled with them been a direct student of them or wherever it is you know, it's a completely different level of having that certainty. It's not that those stories aren't true. They are, right? Those are people who are telling you that are trustworthy. But it's just having that extra level of certainty. So, Al-Imam ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he kind of divides it into, into those three categories. Verse number six, Allah Azza wa Jal then says, so he says, كَلَّا لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينَ Nor indeed you will have Certain knowledge, right? The knowledge of certainty. You will most definitely see the how fire. You will most definitely see the how fire. And this is now, you know, the part of the knowledge that we were seeing if we divide it into or categorize it into death, the grave, and the hereafter. Now Allah Azza wa is moving into in, in this surah into that portion of Yawmul Qiyamah, right? The resurrection of or the life of the next life on Yawmul Qiyamah. Allah Azza wa Jal says, لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمُ right? لَتَرَوُنَّ is the recitation and the qira'ah of the majority of the Qur'an. Sorry? Yeah, Hafsan and you know, Ibn Kathir and Warsh and all the rest of them. Right? However, Ibn Amir, who is the, the qari of, uh, of Damascus, of Dimashq, and Al-Kisai, who is one of the three qaris that is from Al-Kufa, from the seven. If you're looking at just the seven, Ibn Amir is from Damascus, Al-Kisai, along with Asim, who is the teacher of Hafs, and along with um, Khalaf, 
are from Kufa. So Al-Kisa'i and Ibn Amr, these two out of the ten, right, they recite this verse as with the Dhamma and the Ta. On the Ta of La Tarawunna, they put a Dhamma. So they say, La Turawunna. La Turawunna al Jahim. Right? And they change just that one vowel from a Fatha to a Dhamma. How does that change the meaning? Latara wunna al jahim means you will most certainly see the hellfire. Latura wunna changes the root verb and it makes it into you will be shown. So you will see and you will be shown. Right? That is the slight difference between the fact and the dhamma, which shows you, you know, how eloquent the Arabic language is that just within that slight difference. Right? And often what the the qira'at do, those variances in, 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 in words in the different qira'at and those different variations, what they do is they give you an added meaning. Right? They add to you another dimension of tafsir, another dimension of understanding that verse. لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ You will most certainly see the fire. Right? You will see the fire on the day of judgment. Right? Um, now, is that just the disbelievers or is that everyone? Right? That is an issue of uh, some difference of opinion amongst the scholars of Tafsir, but the majority say that it is everyone. And what they link that back to is the verse in which Allah Azza wa Jal says, I think in Surah Maryam, وَإِن مِّنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا There's not anyone from amongst you except that they will traverse it. Traverse what? The fire. Meaning that they will pass over it because the bridge, as we know, on Yom Al-Qiyamah will be placed upon the fire. And every person will have to pass over it, right? And those that are destined to go into the fire will fall into it. And those that are destined for salvation will pass over that bridge, right? So, yeah. In the hadith about those who go straight in without passing over, I, I don't think it mentioned that. Yeah, so, so even those people that will go straight in, they see the fire then, right? So it's, the point is here that it's referring to everyone seeing the fire. Believers or disbelievers, لَتَرَى وُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ لَتَرَى وُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ the Laturawunna with the Dhamma, which is the Qira'a of Ibn Amir and Al Kisa'i, you will be shown the fire. Right? You will see and you will be shown. Why? Because some of the scholars said that the noon here on the Latarawunna or Laturawunna, whichever one, is to show that it is something that people or some of them will be compelled to do. Right? So some people you know, would rather escape or move away or not be shown, Allah says, no, you will be made to show, you will be made to see it even if you don't want to. Right? That is the extra interpretation here or the extra dimension of the verse. It is the same thing. Whether you're made to see it or you see it of your own accord, it is the same thing in, in reality. But Allah Azza wa is saying that there will be people, therefore, who will see it because they are going towards, uh, inshallah, the paradise and they're going over that bridge but then there are others who don't want to see it because they're afraid and they know that they were going to the fire and they disbelieved in Allah and they rejected his messengers and prophets and books and so on but they will also be made to see it there is no escape from it right and that's why Ar-Razi uh, in his tafsir and others say that the noon is there for emphasis meaning that you will definitely right? and that's why you have that translation or Abdul Halim's anyway is definitely see the how fire uh, Sahih International, you will surely see the Hellfire. Yusuf Ali, certainly see the Hellfire, right? And that's the noon. That noon there is the certainly, the definitely, the surely, right? You will be shown the fire, you will be made to see the Hellfire. 
um, yeah, you will be made to see or you will be shown or you will see the hellfire. Zayd ibn Aslam, rahimahullah, he said, so that's referring to the bridge that everyone will pass over. So even those people who don't enter into the fire, may Allah save us and our families from it, even they will see the fire. There is not anyone except that they will pass over it, right? And the Prophet mentioned in the hadith that there are, the people will pass over the bridge depending on the level of their deeds, right? Depending on their iman. Some people in the blink of an eye, some people as fast as lightning, some people as fast as a, as a racehorse. Some people will run, some people jog, some people walk. And then you have people who stumble, who crawl, people who will take one step and people who will stop because each person will be given a light that will illuminate their path over the bridge in accordance to their iman and their righteous deeds. So the greater the light, the quicker the passing. And the, the, the lower the light and the weaker the light, then the slower the passing. Until a person will come, the light will blink, it will flicker on, they will take a step and then it will flicker off and they will stop because the Prophet described the bridge as being thinner than a strand of hair, sharper than the tip of a sword and it will have upon it big claws that will pull people and drag them and throw them into the fire. Right? And that's why Zayd ibn Aslam said it is referring to that bridge. So upon it will be those who will be successful, meaning they won't pass over it. And those who will pass over it will be injured, meaning that those claws will try to grab them, grab them and, and grapple them, but they will make it across. And then those who will be grabbed and they will be thrown into the fire of hell, will iyadu billah. So the Prophet mentioned this description of the fire. Right? And he says that this is what it is referring to. Kana ala rabbika, Allah says, wa minkum illa kana ala rabbika hatma This is a promise that will surely come to pass from your Lord meaning that every person will take that stage and that is the final stage before the believers will go into what is called the qantara right? according to uh, some of the scholars right? If those that have tried to give it an ordering on Yom Al-Qiyamah the different stages of Qiyamah after the bridge you come to the area of the qantara the qantara is the final place that the believers will gather before they go into, into paradise and that's the area where they will deal with their own grievances amongst themselves that these people will be rewarded but some of them their levels will be raised higher and others will be forgiven and others and, and so on and then they will enter into into Jannah Muqatil rahimahullah ta'ala said you will come to certainly know so he's referring back to verse number five that you will you have you will certainly know that you will certainly see the fire of hell in the next life you will come to know that you will certainly see the fire of hell in the next life. And Muqatil said also that this is a verse in which there is a promise. When Allah says, Latarawunna, you will certainly, surely, most definitely see that is an oath that Allah is taking. It is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is what will happen on Yawmul Qiyamah. In verse number seven, Allah Azza wa Jal then goes on to, can we see the, let's make sure there's no questions, reject the question. Those are questions. Okay, let's just take a couple of these questions. Um, question number one, you seem to have presented two different opinions of Hassan al-Basri. Does he have two opinions? First, he said, or I said, that he said, it is a threat after threat, something Allah does to emphasize the severity of the issue. 
and then later you said the first one is at the time of death, the second is when they enter the grave. Um, did I say that? But so yeah, Al-Hassan has both statements. Uh, and it's possible that just because he says that it is threat after threat, his, his meaning of threat after threat doesn't mean that he follows the opinion that it is just emphasis, right? But both are threats, right? So when he says the first time is death, the second time is entering the grave, that is a threat after threat, right? So the two opinions uh, aren't necessarily contradictory of each other. Uh, first, you mentioned a range of opinions. Then you went on to group the opinions into three. The opinion of Ibn Abbas, the opinion of Tahaq, the opinion of Hassan al-Basri. But the range of opinions you mentioned first, it felt like there should be a fourth grouping. Yeah, so there is four in total, right? So it's two groups. Altogether, we have four opinions, but I grouped them into two. The first opinion, this is going back to verse three and four. First opinion are those who said it is repetition, meaning it doesn't have an added meaning. The second group, which is then divided into three, are those who said that there is an added meaning, but they differed amongst themselves as to what the added meaning is. What does the first one, kalla sawfa ta'lamun, refer to? And the second, thumma kalla sawfa ta'lamun, refer to, right? And so there is uh, that kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of detail there. which is the strongest opinion. So the strongest opinion, as we said, is the opinion of Ibn al-Qayyim, which is the third opinion that refers to the death and then the graves because the mentioning of the hellfire will come later on. And Allah knows best. What is the strongest opinion about verse number one? Is it general and includes everything? <coughs> Sometimes you don't mention what the strongest opinion is. If I don't mention what the strongest opinion is, is, is because I, I don't want to give the strongest or I don't know the strongest opinion or I refuse to comment on what is the strongest opinion. So if I leave it out, it's, it's done on purpose, not out of neglect. Um, but the first opinion, Al-Hakm al-Takathur, is as we said that it is general, right? So that's an example of generalness, which includes, it's comprehensive, right? It includes everything. Right? And often, like my, my methodology in, in doing this tafsir class is I'm giving you the opinions of all of the scholars of the past, right? What I choose or don't choose or what I consider to be strong or not strong is frankly irrelevant and, and, and not really worth anyone's time or effort. What you need to know is what Ibn Kathir thought and Tabari thought and Qurtubi thought and Ibn Abbas thought and so on, right? And that's what. And then what I try to do is where I can tell that there is a reconciliation between those opinions or whether they all point to the same thing or where there is one that supports, has evidence that supports it, so therefore makes it stronger and so on. You know, that's something which is slightly different. But otherwise, they are, you know, all of them are the uh, opinions of great scholars of Islam. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Okay. So Allah Azza wa Jal then in, in verse number, where are we now? Verse number seven. Verse number seven, Allah Azza wa Jal says, ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ you will see it with the eye of certainty, uh, which is the Adul Halim translation, Sahih International. Then you will surely see it with the eye of certainty. Muhsin uh, Khan, and again, you shall see it with certainty of sight. Pictol uh, eye, ye will behold it with sure vision. Right? But anyway, it, it kind of like amounts to the same thing. You will see it with the eye of certainty. Uh, Al-Imam Al-Razi mentions here, again, there is repetition. So this surah is, is, is uh, one of those surahs in which Allah Azza wa Jal, there is a lot of repetition in this verse. We have repetition of kalla, right, which is mentioned a number of times. We have 
repetition of the word ta'lamun, kalla sofa ta'lamun, thumma kalla sofa ta'lamun, kalla law ta'lamun, ilm al-yaqeen. So there's a lot of repetition of, of ta'lamun. The word um, sofa is repeated as well. One of the other repetitions now that we have is of sight. Right? لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمُ ثُمَّ Right? You will be made to see the fire, then certainly you will see it with the eye of certainty. Right? And we mentioned, you know, and this is what Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala is referring to. Right? Once one is having that knowledge, which gives you certainty, but now it's actually seeing it. Right? As Allah Azza wa says in the previous verse, you will see the fire. That gives you the eye of certainty, meaning that it's something now which you can see before your very eyes. And Imam Al-Razi says that in the repetition of sight, uh, there are a number of points. Number one is that it's done to reaffirm the threat that Allah is making in this surah, right? The threat of punishment that is present within this surah. And he says, and that's because some people used to dislike or they dislike hearing uh, verses of, of, of threats and punishment, right? Or, you know, that kind of threat coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you get people that are always like, you know, always mention the positive, right? Always speak about Allah's mercy. Always speak about Allah's forgiveness. Always. And that is true. And that is the general thing, right? That you have gentleness and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. And you inspire hope within people and make them, make them think good of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there is no doubt that a great portion of the Quran also deals with striking fear into people. Making people afraid making people aware of Allah's wrath and Allah's anger, and that Allah is severe in his punishment and quick to take to account, and that Allah Azza wa will punish unlike any other. Right? And that's always the balance that you have in the Quran and in the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and as the scholars used to say, that they are the two wings of the believer with which the believer flies, the wing of hope and the wing of fear. Right? And so those two components are extremely important. So Ar-Razi is saying here, that it is done to re-emphasize that threat of punishment. Right? Allah Azza wa mentions it twice, right? To re-emphasize that because some people, or even amongst the Quraysh and so on, they used to dislike the repetition of something which was threatening. He says another way of understanding this is the repetition of the sight that Allah is saying, you will see, you will be made to see the fire, then certainly you will see it with the eye of certainty. He says the first is the sight from a great distance. Right? The sight of a great distance, as Allah says in Surah Furqan, when they will see it from a great distance. Right? So it will be present in, uh, you know, in, in, the, far, in the far distance. Right? And we know, that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, people will see the fire from a distance because Allah says this in the Quran, and Jannah from a distance. Like in the hadith of the final man to leave paradise and enter, uh, leave the fire and enter into Jannah. Right? What does the hadith say? That he will be made to turn around with his back to the fire, meaning he's just exited. And he will see on the far horizon Jannah. And when he sees its beauty from a distance, he will yearn to go towards it. Right? And that's because even from a distance, it is something which, you know, and this hadith, right, that, that so-and-so that does such and such a thing won't enter into Jannah or won't smell the scent of Jannah, even though its, smell, its scent can be smelled from a distance of a hundred years of riding, right? Which shows that it's something which isn't just confined to Jannah, but its scent, its vision, its sight is something which can be seen from a great distance. So he's saying that that's the first one that Allah is referring to, the sight of a distance. The second one is when they will come onto its precipice 
and be about to fall within the fire. You will most certainly see it, meaning from a distance. When do they have that certainty of sight? When now they're standing upon it and they're about to enter into it. May Allah Azza wa save us from, from that. The third one he says, the third way of understanding these two repetitions is uh, similar to the last point, but this time he says that the first one is when they will stand upon it and the second one is when they enter into it, right? So opinion two was what? Seeing it from distance then, seeing it up close. Opinion three is seeing it up close and then actually going into it and seeing it from within, right? And this is where Ibn Qayyim Taala is now getting those three levels, right? Where does he get the haqqul yaqeen, the final one, the, not the certainty, certain reality which he says is when you enter into paradise or you enter into the fire, this is, you know, where you're getting it from, right? This is that kind of understanding that Ibn al-Qayyim also takes. The fourth, he says, understanding is that الجحيم, is the threat. Right? The threat. And اليقين, is the actual seeing of it. Right? الجحيم, is just the threat that Allah threatens you with it. That Allah has told you that this is what's going to happen. But the second one, the eye of certainty, is when you will actually see it. When you will actually see it. And the fifth one, uh, he says, is that Allah repeats it because you will not only see it once, but you will see it again and again and again. And so Allah repeats it because <clears throat> it is to show that it is not just one glance, one look, but it is something which is looking upon it and upon it and upon it. Right? And so Allah Azza wa Jal repeats it. Right? So those are the five that he gives. Should I repeat those? Just for the, the people online and the transcribe notes. You guys memorized it, right? You don't need repetition. So, uh, so Allah Azza wa Jal, the first one we said is to repeat it. Allah Azza wa Jal repeats it. Because to repeat the punishment. Because some people dislike to hear about it, right? They only want to focus on it or they don't like the fact that it's repeated. Number two, the second understanding is that you see it from far the first time and then up close the second time. Right? Number three, no, no, no. Third one is you see it up close and then you see it within it. Right? Once a person or once those disbelievers fall within it, they will see it from within. Right? So one is up one is far and then close. The second one is close, or the third opinion, is close and then actually from within it. The fourth one we said is that the first time is referring to the threat and the second time is referring to actually seeing it. And the fifth one is that it's repetitive because it is repeated seeing. Right? It's not just a single glance or looking upon it once, but it's something which a person will see over and over and over again. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. They said, the scholars of Tafsir, that it's referring to obviously the site of Jahannam on the Day of Judgment. Abdullah ibn Abbas said that it's referring to the people of Shirk when the bridge will be placed before them and they will have to traverse and walk upon that bridge. And Ibn Atiyah said the meaning of this is when they will see it as they enter within it. And that will be the eye of certainty. Right? That will be the eye of certainty. 
and they said that it's referring to, and other scholars said that it's referring to everyone. Right? It's referring to everyone because as we mentioned, so some of the scholars said that it's referring to, like Ibn Abbas' statement, that this is particular and specific to the disbelievers. Right? That it's referring to the kuffar and the disbelievers, that they will, are the ones who will see it in this way. Ibn Atiyah, the famous scholar of tafsir, he said, other scholars said, no, it's actually referring to everyone, that everyone will see it. Everyone will see it from a distance or close up as they go over it. As Allah Azza wa says in that verse, وَإِن مِّنْكُمْ إِلَّا There isn't anyone except that they will be made to walk upon it. Right? That they will be made to walk upon it. This uh, surah, therefore, is Allah Azza wa is telling us a number of things within this surah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now within these few verses, and we have like one final verse left, but Allah Azza wa is saying to us, كَلَّا سَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ Know indeed you will come to know. ثُمَّ كَلَّا سَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ Know again indeed you will come to know. كَلَّا لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينِ Know indeed if you were to only have certain knowledge. لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ That you will surely certainly see the fire. ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عِينَ الْيَقِينِ And then again you will see it with the eye of certainty. Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that over and over again, this is the reality of the situation. Right? This is exactly what's going to happen at the time of death, after death in the grave, and on the day of resurrection on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, when Allah holds everyone to account. Right? And that is, you know, it's mentioned in a number of hadith, how when people have that certainty, even at the time of death, the Prophet said that the, um, the people or a person in the grave will wish that if only they could come back to this life and perform two rak'ahs, only pray two rak'ahs of nafil, they would give everything in this world or give this world and everything within it, they would sacrifice it all just for that one opportunity, right, to come and pray two rak'ahs. Right? And it's reported that some of the scholars of old, some of the salaf, they would go to a graveyard and they would see a freshly dug grave before it's had its uh, body put into it. And they would go and they would get into that grave and they would lie down. And they would say to themselves, a day will soon come when you will enter into a space like this and you will never leave. But today, you have the opportunity to get up and go. Right? So let that be a lesson. Right? And you find you know, examples like this within, uh, you know, I think last week we mentioned the statement of Uthman radiallahu anhu as well. But you find statements like this, how the scholars would go and they would do stuff like this because it's something which allows a person to reflect and to think and to ponder and so on, right? It's reported that Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah, he would go to, out into the desert to a ruin, right? an old village that's no longer inhabited, a ruin. And he would look at it and he would say to himself, Ayna ahluk, where are the people that used to live here? Right? Where are the inhabitants of these places? And then he will recite the verse, Kullu shay'in halikun illa wajha. Everything will be destroyed except for Allah's face. Meaning, everything will, will, will cease to exist, will die except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah azza wa jal gives us these reminders, the companions and the scholars used to take those reminders. right? And they would remember. And one of the greatest regrets that Allah mentions in the Quran that the people of the fire will have is that they wasted and squandered the opportunity and the time that Allah gave to them in this life, right? That they didn't use it to remember and to reflect and to ponder and to contemplate and to turn back to Allah and worship Him and so on. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in the Quran, in I think in Surah Fatir, 
وَهُمْ يَسْتَرِخُونَ فِيهَا Allah says, the people of the fire will scream therein. رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا نَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمَلْ And they will say, oh our Lord, allow us to leave. We will do good actions that we never used to do before. We will do good deeds. Give us another opportunity. Allah will say to them, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرُ did we not give them sufficient life, Umar, right? Sufficient life that for those who wish to remember, they could have done so. Didn't you have enough time in the dunya to reflect upon these issues? Didn't Allah give you that certain knowledge? Didn't Allah warn you? Didn't Allah tell you? Didn't Allah promise you and take an oath that this is what would take place? And so Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying that they had that sufficient time for those who wish to take heed and remember that they could do so. And this is so much Allah Azza wa Jalla is emphasizing how many times does Allah repeat something, right? And generally, you know, in, our, in, in any language, repetition for the sake of repetition isn't something that, you know, it's not eloquent, right? You don't just, to repeat something isn't something which is done normally in writing, in speech, just to sit there and repeat the same thing isn't eloquent unless there is a greater lesson and objective behind it, right? And here in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jalla only repeats a concept because of its importance, because it needs emphasis, because it's something which is a reality that most people are heedless of. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will repeat that over and over again as he does in this verse using words like kalla, ta'lamun, ru'ya, latarawunna, thumma latarawunna. It is done over and over again. The majority of this surah is speaking about that portion of knowledge and knowing and having the eye of certainty and that certain knowledge that this is the end result of each and every single person. And then Allah Azza wa Jal, as we will come on to next week, inshallah ta'ala, concludes this surah by saying, النعيم, And on that day you will surely be asked concerning the pleasures and the blessings that you were given. Right? Allah will hold you to account. And that's something which has you know, quite a lot of detail, inshallah, to go into. So we'll leave that until next week. Bismillah ta'ala. Okay, any questions? I don't remember which scholar it was now. They used to lie down in the grave. Um, I have it somewhere, but I don't remember from the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Zakum Allah khair. Barakallahu feekum. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.